This is holding down the fort. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Holding Down the Fort. Today we have Nick Zwack, San Francisco Giants, left-handed pitcher. Nick, welcome to the show, my man. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. So um, Nick was drafted um, out of Xavier University, went to Monticello High School in Minnesota, uh, drafted as a, uh, a senior, kind of caught in some of the COVID stuff, we're going to let Nick take us through the high school to college process, the draft process in both of the years that he had some interest and then uh, fully open the floodgates into uh, what it's like to be an absolute stud in the, uh, the giants organization today. Nick, thank you very much. You bet. Um, yeah. So high school, I played three sports in high school. I uh, didn't really start focusing on baseball until I got to college. Um, and then once I got there, it was kind of an adjustment to make sure that it's, you know, the specializing aspect, which I hadn't done before, but I kind of took it by storm. I actually really enjoyed it. Um, being able to really dive into what you're trying to work on. Um, each year I felt like was important to me with, you know, you play your full season and then summer ball as well, but picking up on those relationships and learning from new people at college while, and also at summer ball was a couple of great summers for me and years at the team that, you know, it's, it's made me the pitcher that I am today, combining what I've learned and who I've met along the way. So. Well, uh, so you said, you know, didn't really kind of focus on baseball until we got to college, multiple sports, um, you know, as Western New York people here, uh, we have the winter as a, uh, as a Minnesota man, you probably have the winter as well, right? So are we a, uh, remind me, a hockey, baseball athlete. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, hockey, baseball, football. I, I think if I wasn't left-handed, I'd probably be trying to play hockey somewhere. So um, did we have multiple college offers going everywhere? Give me a little bit of like, you know, sophomore, junior, senior year of high school and how we actually end up at, uh, at Xavier. Yeah, I think it wasn't really until... My junior year, I think I hit a decent number at a PBR event or something like that. And I had a guy that was kind of helping me because, you know, being from a small town, there's not a whole lot of exposure with that. So he helped me, he helped me get into like the PBR events, stuff like that. And we ended up getting, we got another big East offer. And then he had told me that there'd be a couple other ones following just kind of how it works with the conferences. Um, then I got two or three more from there. And I, I really was satisfied with, both the academics and the baseball side of Xavier and my, my chase really wasn't that long. Um, I committed and I was happy with it and then signed my NLI. So it wasn't really a difficult process for me. It was pretty short in my opinion. And with, so like we have, you know, you and I kind of worked remotely together for a little while. Um, you know, we have a facility, so we have guys from, seven, eight, nine, 10 year olds, all the way up through, through high school. And everybody's recruiting process seems to be different. We talk to guys who are, you know, other pro guys, guys who are at the, you know, high level of college game right now um, with everybody's process kind of be being different. And, you know, the guidelines are always changing and things like that. 
Um, what kind of advice would you give to, to younger guys, especially in this day and age of where we almost feel like it's a rush to commit rather than really be a good fit for the program? Right. Um, I think the biggest thing to take from that is like everybody's path, everybody's journey is different. Like there isn't, there isn't one way to get to whatever you're chasing in terms of dreams or your goals. But like, I, I think back to the picture that I was in high school trying to get to college. And then the picture that I was in college trying to get, trying to get into pro ball, like biomechanics has done a great thing for me and helped me develop as a pitcher. And I just think for anyone aspiring to do anything athletically, like everybody's body builds up differently. Everybody, you know, has different, stressors or tenors on them and understanding that like it's going to be at your own pace and what you're ready to adapt with. Absolutely. And, um, you know, some of the things that, you know, once again, we didn't work very long together, right. It was kind of more just a couple specialized things, but the movement aspect, just as much as the strength aspect, we have a lot of our high school guys who start, you know, really jumping into strength training quickly and not understanding one, how well they already move and two, how important it is to continue to move at least that well through your, you know, through your strength development. Is there, you know, did you have any undoing to do while you were going through high school? Did playing multiple sports kind of help you with the mobility aspect? I know we talk a lot to our hitters about one timers and a lot of, you know, skating positions as well. Did do, do you think the, uh, the sports really kind of set you up for success there? I definitely do. Um, in terms of athleticism and just be, being able to, you know, kind of explore more things in high school. I, I don't regret maintaining those three sports until I graduated because I was close a couple of times, but by the time I got to college, I was ready to specialize with one. So kind of so, keeping that in mind, but playing sports while you can is important. Yeah. And, um, you know, being a high school athlete, right? Like the fun aspect, did you have so much more fun playing all three sports rather than being like, Hey, nope, I got to go to baseball. Hey, nope. I got to go to baseball. Hey, nope. I got to go to baseball. I got to train. I got to train. I got to train. I got to train to maybe get to the season and like have a, you know, a Cody Bellinger, Woba season where he has like a, a 390 where he's expected to be on base almost 400, you know, 40% of the time and ends up hitting like 227, right? Like the numbers don't always speak for themselves and like playing other sports. Does that get our mind free? Does that help us just stay loose? Was it a were you a two-way guy? Like, how did that help us really prepare? You know, baseball's conveniently last, right? So you get all those other sports seasons to kind of, hey, you get to the spring and you're kind of there and it's just like, hey, let's let's go play ball, right? So did, did you feel like they kind of helped you get ready for baseball from a social high school aspect as well as an athletic perspective? Yeah, um, I I liked having the, se or the seasons kind of be – separated like when I was in football I was playing football like there were times that I would have a hockey practice or a baseball practice but you know whatever season we were in was the priority and then my summers were summer hockey until the last summer after I graduated I did play one summer of like summer ball we went through a mash in Minnesota but other than that it was all hockey but you know I wouldn't I wouldn't trade that at all 
Yeah. And I mean, I know that hockey is a, you know, hockey's a full on dedicated sport. Once again, Western New York, we're about, I, I think my wife and I live less than a mile from the river to Canada here. Right. So, um, we understand the commitment that goes into it, the financial aspect that goes into it for parents. And that's kind of what it's become with, you know, travel baseball almost. And, you know, all of these sports are like, Hey, you gotta, you gotta pay to play your way. If we're going to give any advice to like us coaches who are at those levels, you know, the club level of hockey, of baseball, what would we say on making sure that we, you know, that we are even on the playing field as far as letting everybody get in here? I, I just think you don't want to get burnt out. Like, you know, there's, there's so many different avenues that you can take leading up to. And in high school, there's so many different sports you can play. Like, that's not the time to get burnt out in any way. I mean, if there's something that, you know, it's like, it's getting to be too much, take a step back, find something else that you enjoy to do, or you want to pursue, because if, if you can't specialize, it's not going to work out in the long run. If you do decide to play that sport and you're burnt out before you get onto the college level. Absolutely. And it seems to just like those levels, man, are just younger and younger and younger. Right. It's like, we're struggle. getting to the, we're getting to the big field and, and guys want to quit. Right. So that's, that's huge. Let's uh, fully go on to um, we're at Xavier. We're chilling, not just chilling, but we're working our ass off. Right. Um, We're pitching. Well, we go to, um, you know, Texas A&M that opening weekend of our last year, we throw an absolute gem from there. Kind of take me through just, you know, the scouting, the draft process. And I believe I hadn't met you the year before that. But the year before that, you had a little bit of a, a running start towards the draft as well with summer league, everything else. Give me kind of a, a track through Xavier, how we got to uh, being a, uh, an MLB prospect. Um, so that junior year for me was the COVID year, which was the five round draft. Um, I came out of the gates pretty hot. I had some good starts behind me and that's kind of when, um, me and my agent at the time were like, okay, there, there's some things that are moving here. And then when we were in California, everything got shut down and to go from a 40 round draft to a five round draft, you, I did have to make some decisions, um, decided to not take the options that I had, go back to school for a year. And then, you know, we opened up then at A&M and made a good run in the biggest tournament. Um, after that, it was a 20 round, um, soon following. I went back out to uh, Cape Cod for three or four starts, try and push that stock a little more. Um, pitched well, came back home, um, ended up going in the 17th round, which, you know, with, I'm just thankful that it was able to work out. Um, there was a lot of things going on, but for it to, for it to come to fruition like that was, was a blessing. So get out in the 17th round of the Mets, uh, went down to their spring training facility for short season and then did a whole off season of training, came back, um, pitched with them until right about the deadline last year, uh, went from low A to high A. And then once in high A, I got traded to the San Francisco Giants. So I went and joined their high A team in the Northwest league. I actually joined them in Spokane, Washington, uh, joined them out there and we finished the season there, ended up winning a championship, which was great. Um, and then after that, did another off season, uh, went in, had a good spring training this year. And now I've started with the squirrels. 
That's awesome, man. That is all. That is always a uh, a good story from a five round draft being our our main year, right? That that junior year where you're like, hey, this is the year I'm supposed to go start off hot. And I remember that's when we had kind of gotten in touch. Was like, uh, this is, you know, this is not what we had all expected it to be. You were in one place. I was in a place like, and I think we had, you know, we had talked at the time of, well, this coming fall, this off season, you know, we're going to really go into the senior and kind of, kind of do something about it. Did you feel like, you know, obviously there are ups and downs through every college season. There's, you know, different teams everywhere who hit, don't hit, play defense, don't play defense, good starts, bad starts the Cape really kind of solidified again that like Nick Zwack is this dude that we want to take for the, the guys that were on us. Is that right? Yeah, I think it helped. Um, you know, I guess being in that scenario where I was getting towards the end of that, we just wanted to get off the board, give me a shot at pro ball. So when we were able to get an opportunity from the Mets, you know, we were all in for that. And the, I'm, I'm thinking, right. Like the, those, you know, the eyes that, that saw us, whether, you know, as decision makers from, you know, certain organizations, those, those trades that get made down the line, I know it's not always shared with players, but I've been in the back room in a couple of different spots, you know, for, you know, teams talking about it and like guys know things about you from down the line, whether it was a summer league, a college thing, right? Like the Cape opportunity right we were in born is that right yeah i did the year before that i did a full year in harwich and then that year for the 20 round i did born for a month or so yeah so the the summer before i had met you we were we were a full year of harwich sophomore going into our junior year that's right yep yeah so like those two things right like you know xavier great school great academic school awesome facilities. You guys have a lot, you know, could, good program, but not an sec, right? Not a, you know, not a big 12, not like, Hey, going to the Cape is really an opportunity for even guys in those giant leagues to really kind of step their game up. Did you feel like that year in Harwich was really kind of the separator for you? I think it was an eye opener for me. I mean, Coming in my freshman year, we had had a couple pitchers that did get the opportunity to pitch in the Cape, and I actually hang signs up in my room that said the Cape. So, I mean, that was something that I wanted to accomplish. Um, so getting out there was, you know, reaching one of those goals and being able to play a full summer in Harwich. Well, I had a 30-inning cap, but being able to pitch my 30 innings in Harwich, coming off that good uh sophomore season I, it was it was a great experience to face those hitters and be on a team like that and like putting those signs up right is that a a vision board or just something that you that you hung on the wall is that an idea that you got from a coach somewhere or is that something that you just kind of did on your own i don't know i i i just saw there was a couple guys from xavier that had gone on to continue playing and you know i was like i'm i'm putting this on the wall because if i put it on the wall i i can't not do it so I was able to get that accomplished. Uh, the The greatest thing you get out of not finishing is knowing that you did not finish, right? Like you can't put it on the wall and not do it if you're Nick Zwack, right? That's right. 
So we are a Met and we've been absolutely pitching our ass off. We've been to spring training in Florida. We've been to spring training in Arizona. Take me through just, um, you know, I've been to a couple of different spring training locations, some, some good ones, some bad ones. Take me through some amenities without naming any names. Um, the good stuff that we've seen, maybe some of the bad stuff we've seen, if you got time for both. Uh, I honestly very thankful with both of these spring trainings that I've had. I really don't have a bone to pick. Um, being in the Mets org, it was, you know, the organization that drafted me. So coming in, I had been with that draft class for a bit. You know, I had, I knew some friendly faces. Um, and then, yeah, those spring trainings were, were a blast. We had a good time. Um, get, start to get to know guys within the Mets organization, but as well as like kind of get a feel for how spring training works, how guys come in and out, move around, things like that. So it was, it was a great first first spring training for me um then getting traded to the giants az was it was different it was great in all aspects um they just built the new popical facilities out there so those were pretty nice to be able to use and it was it was easy to kind of kind of move in there even with all the dry heat in az right yeah i'll take the dry heat over the humidity any day but dude i i doing both it's like it, uh, there's a, you can go to 125 and like, we're not even, we're not even talking, right? Like Arizona's fine. <laughs> yeah. No, I loved it. Um, and then, you know, you've, I've met guys or new guys going into it that I was on high with up in Eugene. So coming into it, um, I was fortunate to get traded with, uh, one of my friends from the Mets who I actually put on hard with as well. So we got oh, so hey, so right, real quick, got to take a hard, hard left turn on on that one. Give me that connection right there. Did you guys live together in Harwich? You have the same host family. How did uh, are we still tight buddies to this day? Let's go. Um, we did not live together in Harwich. Uh, he had a different roommate. I lived at a different place. Uh, we were friends on the team, and then draft day came around, and he went before I did, and then when I went, I was like, oh, I know. I got my buddy Seymour who was going to the Mets. So I remember just sending him a text. I was like, I'll see you in Florida or something like that. And then we ended up getting off our flights and we were in the same shuttle back to our uh, hotel that we were staying at. And so I have, had- I've heard epic stories about those, uh, those initial bus rides to short season, low A, whatever it may be from the airport to the, to the, the actual location. Yeah. A lot of energy, a lot of nerves. We were both excited. Um, you know, having just had a goal accomplished, you know, and then for us to be, you know, back in the same area. And then we both started low way together. Eventually we're both on high together and um, come to find that we're in the same trade to the San Francisco giants is, is kind of crazy to think about. Hey, get these two motherfuckers out of here together. Right. No, <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> um, yeah. So when the trade comes around, right. How does it, it, it come about, right? It, give us as much detail as you can, I guess. Uh, is it a, a, a Billy Bean, Jonah Hill situation where it's like, hey, you've been traded, pack your bags, go away? Or how did you guys kind of, at least both of you end up finding out about it, if you know? Um, yeah, it, it was it was strange. It was surreal. Um, you know, this is a business. That's the bottom line. And I remember being in a pitcher fielding practice line before our game and I got called into our manager's office and simply enough, it was, you've been traded to the San Francisco giants. 
and you know they were they were willing and very complimentary of me and what I had done leading up to that point with the Mets. Um, and then I remember going back into the locker room, and by the time I had went and sat on the couch in the locker room, there was one of the clubbies already taking stuff or the jerseys out of my locker. <laughs> oh man, what a! I know, and there, I mean, the show must go. Game, there was a game that night, so uh, me and Carson packed our bags and yeah, got on a got on a plane to Washington the next day. It was kind of crazy. I had my birthday was that week, and so I had my family and girlfriend out. And I remember they texting me like, did you just get traded? I was like, yeah, like I have to go to Washington tomorrow. So they all had to cut their trip short in New York. They all flew back home because I wasn't there anymore. Well, let me tell you, Major League Baseball, Minor League Baseball, about the things that people don't see. These families behind the scenes, right? <laughs> yeah, no, it was crazy. Short. Oh, my gosh. Dude, The that is just... Of course, the week that you picked for them to come out there, right, is is yeah. the time that that happens. They probably don't visit too much, right? Yeah, no, that was the first time they had been out to New York. They just came up for my birthday weekend, and the trade deadline happened involved within that as well. Um, And, like, leading up to that, there's no, like, running rumor mill. There's nothing that's like, hey, you know, I'm, I might be one of the guys on the block. It's just like, hey, today you're the guy on the block. Yeah, there's, there's nothing. I mean, there's... You know, you joke with the occasional guy that you're going somewhere because you heard a Dursaw trade rumor or whatever, but you really have no idea. Yeah, and uh, so the the last guy that we had on, Davis Schneider, is a uh, an infielder from the Buffalo Bisons. He's in the Blue Jays organization right now, and he's his joke of uh, of the podcast was, um, you know, I saw it on Twitter that I was drafted before I got the phone call, and yeah. like, so all of the rumors kind of come around before you even understand that, uh, that you're actually leaving anywhere is always how it goes. So yeah, my, um, my so parents, you go my with a buddy. We, so we go with a buddy. We're going over, over to the giants. We hit that plane. Do uh mom, dad, girlfriend, all like take a new flight and head out to Washington to <laughs> see us at the debut. Or did they have to get, did they have to get home quick? And you went and made the debut on your own. I went and debuted with, the Eugene Emeralds on my own. Um, they all had to uh, get back to what they were up to. So I got out there and I had all pretty much all of August and then that chunk of September with playoffs. And then that was that into the off season. Well, and you said, right, Eugene ends up winning the championship. So you yeah. get out there and you automatically contribute to a, you know, a championship run. Take me through that part of it where, you know, maybe that COVID season before the other stuff hasn't even, you know, hasn't mattered as much, if you will. Yeah, very fortunate to uh, start out in a low A team with the Mets, who St. Lucie won a championship that year as well. So being a part of two championship teams in my first year of minor league baseball was pretty cool. Uh, but to get, yeah, like you said, traded to a brand new team, you know, these guys all have been playing together for a while, majority of them. And, you know, this is, you know, you starting over basically a completely different organization. Um, but I got in, I got in as a starter with a starter role, me and Carson both and worked into the rotation. And then he pitched game one of playoffs and I pitched game three. So I was, I pitched the game and I started the game in Vancouver when we where we won it, which was kind of cool. It was, I think, four or five lead changes in that game after the fifth inning. So it went back and forth, and we actually won it at Vancouver's place. So 
it was uh, a very cool time. I think we all knew we were going to do it. So it was pretty cool to be a part of that. Pretty epic and understood that, uh, you know, we were part of a, a team that, that all had kind of a common goal, right? You said a lot of those guys had been playing together, but the, we come in and they, they embrace it, right? Like they embrace, you know, you guys automatically contributing to that run. So what do we do at the end of the year, right? Everybody celebrates. What's the, uh, the championship trophy look like? What's the uh, celebration look like on the field? Um, it, it was crazy. You know, there was, like I said, four or five lead changes and a couple of them coming in the seventh and eighth. So you start to wonder like, oh, are we going to have to come back and play a game four? And then it's back on top and we're not and back and forth, but to be able to rush that field and mob, uh, mob our guy that finished it up was pretty cool. So was it a, uh, an unsung hero or a, uh, consistent Charlie who got it done in the, uh, the big situation for the team? If you remember, um, it was a pretty constant. He had, he had got up there. I think it was his third or fourth appearance, but he was throwing the ball really well. And, um, we had gone to a couple guys, a couple guys got in jams, but, um, we were able to close it up. That's huge, man. So back to back years, we're part of, we're part of big championship teams right going into going into this year um you know how are we feeling we're off to a pretty hot start right we have we have a, a couple good starts under our belt uh what is the squad looking like this year how are the the coaches how's everybody feeling out there i love it here uh richmond virginia has been great to me so far um I, just being at this level with this fan base here is is pretty cool to play in front of and play for when you're on the road as well. So I've loved my time here. Um, yeah, I'm excited to keep my head down and keep grinding it. It is a, uh, it's a fun place to be a hundred percent. So, Oh, oh. How about, buddy? Parker Ford joins the show. Nick mm -hmm. is here with us. Hey man. Uh, so we were just talking about Nick being in Richmond, Virginia, and we're actually, uh, we're making our way out to uh to cape cod this summer we have a guy who's at west virginia right now who's going to be there and we have a guy who's at canisius right now who's a pitcher as well who's going to be there this summer so we're going to make our way out to cape cod and uh and see them and nick has been to cape cod you say hi nick hi nick well dude i will uh i will not keep you any longer i appreciate you jumping on here with me and just uh talking about your path a little bit um wrapping up with you i'm just going to ask you some uh some rapid fire questions about you know being in richmond virginia and anything that uh that kind of happens along the way sounds good so if you were going to take me out to uh the best restaurant you've eaten at so far in richmond virginia where are you going to take me and uh what are we going to get for dinner honestly um I've been cooking here in my apartment. I don't really go out to eat a whole lot. I leave that for on the road. So it's been a lot of to and from the field, but no, not a whole lot of restaurants. I haven't gone to here. Well, uh, so I know organization by organization, they take care of you differently. Are, uh, you know, are we being handled well by, uh, by the, the giants right now? Everybody's kind of, good meals at the field, good options, everything that we could, we could possibly want. 
Yeah. I mean, everything we can hope for. And when there are things that want to be critiqued, our nutritionist is very open to critiquing or listening to whatever we have input wise with that. So, I mean, from nutrition to strength, to our trainer, to a coaching staff, like I'm nothing but pleased with how they're willing to, you know, be in my corner and help me become the best pitcher I can be, honestly. Of course. And like that, you know, full circle, that stuff kind of, you know, that ultimately comes into it. Is that something that you've always kind of held at the forefront as a guy at, you know, high school as a guy, Xavier, or is that something that, you know, getting into pro ball kind of opened our eyes? I think there's things that I've taken away from each level. Um, pro ball really opened my eyes to, um, you know, breaking things down to a fundamental level, how you move, um, understanding what you need to do for your body to keep, continue to perform on a constant weekly basis like that. Um, it's obviously going to have a lot of tweaks to it, but understanding, you know, what's important to keep doing as I move forward is, is kind of what I'm shooting for. Putting things back into us is important, right? Yes. <laughs> Rapid fire with our brother, Nick Zwack from the uh, San Francisco Giants. Nick, if you could pick a certain age that you would have to stay forever, what age would you choose and why would you choose it? Oh, boy. I'm going to say 21. That's a great age. It's a great age for uh, for many reasons, right? Uh, what what can you elaborate on? Uh, why would we want to stay that age and, and not be any older than that? Um, you're in college with your friends you're legal to drink and you know the world is yours i think it's the youngest you can be and still have uh the the most responsibility that you can have is that right <laughs> that sounds about right so if i were to steal your uh your iphone right now and plug it into the aux cord what song would come on and is it a uh, a true representation of you or are we trying something new recently um it would be, it would probably be Oklahoma Smoke Show by Zach Bryan. Um, I am a Zach Bryan fan. I think that's just what happens to be what I had on last. But, I, yeah, country for the most part. You're going to find country on the playlist no matter uh, when you steal the phone. Is that correct? Oh, I guess not. Uh, Pre-game, I'll get a little rap in there. It's, I'll switch it up. But everyday driving is country. So something to hype us up a little bit, a little bit pregame, but we we don't switch it up too much. I feel like baseball, you find a lot of country out there. Yeah, yeah. So uh, if you could uh, think of a specific time in your life where you had to fake it until you make it, what uh, what would you say you did? Is that a, a PBR event, maybe a little league team? Were we trying to impress a girl when we were four years old? Give me uh, at least one scenario, or are you fully authentic through and through? No, I mean, I, there's always times where you where you convince yourself to fake it. Um, I would have to think there was some pretty high level hockey growing up where there was a couple times I was like, okay, I might I might be a little in over my head here, but. You fake it till you make it, grind it out. Um, I don't regret any of the experiences that hockey gave me. So I would have to say sometime back then. Absolutely. And I feel like some of, you know, some of those, those travel hockey days, right. And especially I can't even, you know, Western New York can be its own animal, but 
Minnesota, man, like it is cold. There is ice up there, right? Like the Minnesota hockey scene, when it comes to club hockey, there must be some tooth losing face bruising fist throwing times where we go down in club hockey. Am I right? Yes. You're battling up there for sure. I mean, it is the state of hockey. So, you know, training at like Herbrook training center, stuff like that. Like you, you end up playing in some, some pretty high level tournaments and like the, the Reebok national, I think is nationwide, but I can remember grinding, trying to make those cuts for the Reebok national teams. Yeah. So like a, a Reebok national team, right. And then you go on and you play other teams that are, that are similar to that, right? Like those experiences, like you don't get that. And I'm not, you know, I'm a, a local little league guy, right. We're not trying to hate on a local little league, but you don't get that out of sitting around here and playing, you know, the best 40 guys from your 400 person town, which we, we happen to have to do sometimes in baseball, right? Like those, those hockey, those hockey levels are just a whole different world and really probably open your eyes to the level of competition that there are in not just sports, but just out there in general. Is that right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, off topic, but you can, I can take myself back to the state tournament college hockey i mean there's close to ten thousand fans there for a state championship game for high school hockey like getting to play in front of those fans and understand an experience like that and then you know you go into pro ball and start playing in front of more and more fans but you know you've you've competed in front of fans before like it, it's there's a certain element of i've done this before it's not going to have an effect on me kind of thing well, and like, you know, when it's, when it's, you know, representing your town or your club or like it, it matters a lot to those fans. Right. So I feel like so often there's, there's a big jump where it goes from like, yeah, there are parent fans and, and some, some student fans in high school for this, that, the other thing. And then you get to college at the big stage and it's like, you know, the box is sold out or like you guys have 4,000 fans in the stands. And it's like, you know, even though they're cheering for us, there's eyes in general change the perspective a lot of the time. And in the draft process, right. The more and more guns guys see a lot of the time, it'll be a, you know, a, an experience that pitchers have to kind of work through in seeing guns behind the backstop. Would you, would you kind of touch on that a little bit? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think everybody's had it if you've been scouted and you see the the gun go up back there and it makes me want to try and do more or, you know, in a lack of better words, be something you're not because they're here to see you throw strikes. And if you're all over the place throwing one or two miles an hour harder, you tell me what's more valuable. So kind of understanding like, and this was more back in college, like now it, there's different mechanics or different systems that we get our data from. But I can remember, you know, having to talk myself down and just get back into my zone of pitching, not caring too much about how hard it's being thrown, but executing my pitches one after another. Yeah. I mean, them, you know, those guys coming to see you, it's, Hey, they're coming to see you for a reason. And it's because you do, you mix your pitches because you have been up to this, right. That, Hey, you sit in a certain, in a certain level. So it's a comfortability with yourself and like 
the work that we put in a lot of the time that just allows us to go out there and just, Hey, this is who I am. This is who they're coming to see rather than try to be that guy that we're not, like you said. And, you know, I think, you know, there are so many times where it's like, as soon as we, you know, I don't want to call anybody good because we're all a work in progress. Right. But as soon as you feel like you're starting to get good, it's all of a sudden like a, Oh, ball four, ball four, ball 10, 12. Uh, whoa, man. Like you're, you're really like, um, what am I really trying to do out here? And then you slowly kind of reel yourself back into once again, the pro ball side, you know, you got data that kind of helps you out a little bit quicker, but in high school in that college sense, like a lot of the time you're on your own of like, Hey, I really got to get myself back into a spot where I can just pitch and not, not have to worry about all of this, this outside BS so much. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it's been, been fortunate to be able to, you know, I always think of good as a relative fact, right? Like you can be good at different levels, but like you said, as soon as you feel like you're good at one level, you know, you you go to the next one. There's always, there's always someone better than you. So. And that, you know, especially those, those pro ball steps, right? Like it's, you know, and without digging too much into it, it's always about not always, you know, performance exactly right. There's the certain levels of it. And so it's like, Hey man, like I'm here, I'm having fun controlling what I can throwing the ball as best as I can. You know, I think a lot of, you know, the comfortability side and the, the, you know, allowing you guys to just be yourselves and perform, you know, it comes from the coaches reminding you that like, Hey, you just got to go out there and, and do the best that you can. We're all working on the same stuff. We're all in it together. Like, would you feel like, you know, the, the coaches kind of reiterate like, Hey, that's, it's easy to just go out there and, and be yourself. Yeah. I'm, I'm seeing it more and more as I get deeper in pro ball, but, but kind of, you know, especially, especially getting into minor league ball, like these coaches and these staff, like they, all they care about is getting you to the big leagues, getting you to the next level. And they will do anything and everything to make sure that you have the resources and things that you need to make that happen. And just kind of understanding that like, it's, it's more of a, of a friendship. Like, you don't you don't really, you don't really address a coach as coach. It would be a first name because you know, you're all, grown-ups everybody's out there working and you know and in a simple sense everybody's a co-worker so understanding that you know everybody's working together to help with the team win but also whatever you can do along with their help to get to the next level is what's important yeah and I think you know it gets so lost in in coaching a lot of the time at whatever level it may be is you know the the ego of the coach or the, the concern of wins and losses, right. Is, is what ultimately is the demise of a coach when like, we're the ultimate position of irrelevance. Like if we didn't exist and you continue to advance to the next level, that helps the big league club win a, you know, win a championship, right. If their coach didn't exist and they won the world series, nobody would complain about them not having a coach, right? Like there's, there's, there's not really a need for a coach. It's almost behind the scenes, the little bitty reminders, like you said, day to day where it's like, Hey, 
you know, we go out there, we trust you, the this, the that, the if you do need to work on something, if there is something to go on, like the goal is to keep you going towards the big leagues. I think, you know, you've been very fortunate to be part of two very good organizations that want to help guys level up in the sense of if we don't see you as a big leaguer, right? Like there's if we don't see you as a big leaguer, we don't we didn't take you in the first place. And I remember that was, you know, that was a, a a talk, you know, a long time ago in especially the Giants organization with some of the pitching guys that I know there was, you know, we don't take guys who were hoping to progress. We take guys who, hey, there's something that we see him being in the major leagues in the next five years. And that's that's why we're taking him. So um last thing that we're gonna ask you, Mr. Zwack, right? Now we'll let you roll. If you were going to uh, to name your own holiday, give me a day of the year that it's going to be, and what are what are we going to call it, and what reason are we calling it that? Oh gosh. Um, well, if if I was naming a day of the year, it'd have to be my birthday, so August first. Um, I don't know the day of the Zwak. I don't know. That's a, tough a day question. of Zwak. Zwak day. <laughs> Zwak day. I don't know. That's what, that's what my friends say on my uh, start days. It's Zwak day. No, so. man. Listen, that, that's what we got to run with, right? That's uh, That's got a little uh, almost Spock day, a little, almost a little uh, Star Trek to, twist to it. So, yeah, we got a little, a little Zwak day in the mix on August 1st. Everybody celebrate this year. My son was uh, – He'll turn one on August second, so we'll make sure that we're we're celebrating real hard on August first as well. Awesome. Well, listen, man. Uh, all the best to uh to the whole Zwak family out there. You, your girlfriend. <laughs> um, as you get moved around, as you get uh bumped up, down, everything. Let's see you in the big leagues real soon, and uh, thank you so much for talking to us. Yes, thank you, James. Thanks for having me. Adios, Nick. Remember to hold it down with us. Thank you for listening to Holding Down the Fort. This is Jimbo Fort reminding you to hold it down. Be on the lookout for our new merch. Anybody who has any questions for the show or for our guests on the show, please email us at holdingdownthefortpod at gmail.com. Follow us on TikTok, Instagram, and subscribe on YouTube for all the latest updates and to hold it with us. Thank you again. We look forward to having you back for the next episode.